0: Hey, what's up, everybody? We got a good Ringer NBA show today with me and Chris Vernon here in Caesars Palace at La- in Las Vegas. Before we get to that, you got to check out the ringer.com. We have an article by Shay Serrano about his experience seeing the Las Vegas Aces this weekend. I was there with him. It was an amazing time, and Shay perfectly captured just what was a, honestly an amazing WNBA game. Uh, I had a good time. Check out Shay's article. And also shout out to Mark Titus for letting us use his hotel room at Caesar's Palace to record this podcast with me and Verno. And also be sure to check out Titus and Tate Frazier, One shotting Podcast. They're recording throughout the summer, despite the fact the college basketball season is over. Check out their show. It's always fun, always insightful. And now let's get to the show.
1: Welcome to the Ringer NBA show. I'm Chris Barney and joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com and this time in person, Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, a.k.a. Kevin O'Concert, a.k.a. Kevin O'Conflict, a.k.a. Kevin O'Climber, and he's in person with me. Yes! Come on. Yes! Here We're in we person,
0: are. Bernardo, this is We great. are in
1: Caesars Palace overlooking beautiful las vegas nevada some
0: dope swimming pools here at caesar's palace there are some nice swimming
1: pools at caesar's palace and so we have been able to uh we've been around to be uh be around each other a bunch throughout this week and watch a lot of basketball over at the gyms um i guess we'll start with standouts right you go to the gym and last year i remember us doing this podcast and donovan mitchell and Jason Tatum. Yep. I mean, it's pretty obvious when you yes. watched those guys. There were a lot of moments where you would watch them and you would think that's the best player on the floor. Yes. Or possibly, what did we miss about this guy? Um, more so Mitchell than Tatum, mm-hmm. obviously, of because he went a little yep. bit later. This year, in terms of being there and watching so far, I think the first one is going to maybe surprise some people. But there have been like the moment for me, I think two or three different times has happened. One of which was interestingly a second-year player, and that's Jonathan Isaac. There have been First at guy least on my list too, Chris. really, yeah. There's yep. been at least twice where I've been at the games, and there's a five to ten-minute span where I'm watching the game, and I think this guy is just better than everybody else out on the court. And he's one of these guys that just kind of, you know, he got lost. In the conversation, he, he really had a very insignificant rookie year. Yeah, injury riddled. Injury yeah. riddled. He's out, out a lot. He was a very high pick by the Orlando Magic, but he was just off the radar last year. And then he comes back this year, and I remember when I saw him in the preseason last year, there was a moment where he was standing next to Chandler Parsons and guarding him, and he just towered <laughs> over Parsons. And Parsons is a legit 6'10", 6'11". And I'm like, how big is this kid? I am convinced he did the Giannis thing, and he grew. I think he did. Yeah, I, he's I, over I, seven I, I feet.
0: I, I mean, I don't know, I don't think he's over seven feet, but he was listed at 6'10". I think he might be like 6'11", 6'11 and a half. He, he's, I think he looks a little bit taller, but maybe if he's not taller, he's at least stronger, he's wider. His body has really filled out, and he looks unbelievable.
1: Well, and it was the ball handling. I mean, when you are that big, yeah. and he looks so skilled, on the perimeter, I'm watching that, and I'm like, holy mackerel. Like, this guy was off the radar, but they may have something really well, special it, here. It,
0: it, with Isaac, that was the interesting thing in the draft. So, like, you know, entering draft at Florida State, it was like, oh, he's got the first step. You know, he looks like he could potentially become a guy who can create off the dribble. But his handle was pretty weak. Uh, he, he wasn't able to create much space. He didn't have advanced moves. And now he's looking better. That dribble's a little bit tighter, that he's taking advantage of that first step. And he's looking a little bit better offensively. And it's not just offense, though, either. Like, that dude can defend with his yeah. size and length. And not a, not just size and length and athleticism, but, like, intent, willingness to defend. He's looking like a potentially really good two-way player this season for the Orlando Magic. Encouraging.
1: And, and you talk to people, and by all accounts, really great kid. Yeah, he's a really good kid. Right? Yeah. He's also, he's an interesting one because I don't think that this has gotten a lot of attention. Again, wasn't a big season um, it was injury-riddled for him. He wasn't a topic of conversation like ever. And his
0: offense wasn't there yet. It still might not be there. It's just summer league, but it's definitely a step forward. No doubt about that.
1: But on the personality side, he's like a very devout Christian. Like, he invited all the magic I know to come to like a church where he— like did a sermon mm-hmm. like he is like the he is this guy who's got oh this yes i didn't know that real yeah, like I remember
0: now he, <laughs> my, well, my, my brain just doesn't work sometimes it's interesting
1: because you just don't <laughs> you don't hear that a lot yeah, right you yeah, don't hear that. about nba players inviting the rest of their yeah. teammates to church and say whatever you want about it right he is a guy that by all accounts is a good guy and you know, in the words of me, goes walks it like he talks it, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. And yep. I think
0: you know, for the Orlando Magic fans, shout out to Kevin Clark from the Ringer. Yeah, uh, the only Magic fan on the planet that I know of, Um Kevin has always like been sad talking about Orlando. His mood gets right. down. It, it look it. It's very depressing talking basketball with Kevin Clark. But right now, I think. Magic fans should be feeling pretty good because it's not just Isaac either. Mo Bamba's length on defensive end of the floor is altering shots around the rim, even if he doesn't get a hand on it. I think with like their team is so long with Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac, Melvin Frazier out there, Wesley Iwundu, like They they are huge. Yep. They cover the whole floor with just those four guys. Well, and let me ask you this. Add, add Aaron Gordon on with his new big contracts. Ooh, they get some nice little young players. Because
1: what happens is everybody goes to the games to see Bamba, and Isaac's the one you yeah. end up talking yeah. about. Yeah. I will tell you, and you were king of the bomb believers.
0: <laughs> the bomb believers. You were the king of the bomb believers. Our, our,
1: our producer Kyle's laughing at the back yeah. of the yeah. You were the king of the bomb believers. And so I went to go watch him. And I'm not gonna say I'm a full-on bomb believer, but
0: I was very impressed. I was. Uh, you know, I I I was chugging Bomba Kool-Aid before we got on this podcast. He's going so to I'm get pushed to talk around. About this.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. Like, he, I think what, what's, oh, yeah. go- what's going to befell him is people are going to look at the paper and they're going to go, four rebounds? Like, what? Because he's going to have those games. Yeah. He is. Once these guys, because he is, you can push him out of the way. Yeah, he's
0: 19 years old. Well, I right. I think he just turned 20, but whatever. He's still right. a young kid and he doesn't yes. has an experience NBA strength and conditioning program and all that stuff. well and He'll get stronger. It's going to come a time for get, all these
1: bigs. But sometimes guys are a first punch guy, right? They throw the first punch. Ball's coming off the rim. Somebody bangs into somebody. He's not that guy, right? He's the guy that typically gets banged. And so that will come, right? He certainly when you're there in person he is one of these guys, in my estimation, that you do need to see in person to fully appreciate because it is an absolute freak show how long he is. It's, yeah. it's crazy. I mean, you know, you it's one thing to read like, oh, he's got an eight foot wingspan and it's the <laughs> longest, like, it's like Rudy Gobert-esque,
0: whatever. Seven foot nine to be specific. Oh, is that right?
1: <laughs> when you see it in person, though, yeah, he's so much bigger than everyone, yeah, right? Is. And he does well finishing. Had to, I, I've watched him hit a corner three, I've watched him dream it, shake. It,
0: it's it's like a, Tommy Heinsohn has a line where he says he can tie his shoes without bending over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. skilled kid though he yeah. is for He's sure. I, you know, Bomba. I think you know all some of these bigs do look more impressive. Jaron Jackson has yeah. had some nice moments as well. Wendell Carter, another guy that I really really liked. He's been. Pretty damn good for the Bulls. he's been great. One of the knocks on him pre-draft was like, oh, you know, defense is a concern. He's sluggish feet. And, and like, I I always thought that was a little bit overblown. And and now that, like, his body looks a lot better, it looks like he's really trimmed some body fat since the end of the season at Duke, which is to be expected when you're focusing exclusively on basketball. He's looking better defensively in addition to the fact that like he can do some things on offense. And we'll see how he pans out. But I'm encouraged early on. And Bulls fans should be too, with a Carter marking in front court. Pretty fun.
1: And I've made some excuses for the Duke kids. Obviously, I was on the Bagley train in the whole defensive <laughs> Have thing. Have you jumped off the train. Oh, yet? hell no. Okay, no good. way. Yeah, I was gonna say no not
0: even though I'm not on the Bagley train, I was gonna say don't jump off yet. No way. On, I yes. ain't going anywhere. Yeah, don't, don't. Um,
1: but I've made excuses for them defensively because listen, they play zone, they played zone at Duke, and people can use that against these kids. But the truth is, they were all freshmen. They're playing together mm-hmm. for the first time. And zone, anybody that's ever played basketball, it's lazy. That's Coach K's ev- fault. But ev- Co- Co- coach, coach K, K didn't in. want
0: It's like, it's like uh, uh, shout out to Mark Titus for yeah. uh, letting us use his hotel room to record this. That's right. Um, the One Shining Podcast guys. It's true. Like Coach K, just, just it's like, just a victory. coach him up to play man. The zone defense wasn't the fault of Bagley or Carter. Right? It's I put that on coaching.
1: It's also the truth that they, it, it's hard to be extremely active when you're playing that way. In fact, I heard somebody, they interviewed Bagley and they were talking about the defensive knocks. And he was saying, Okay, so you guys want to talk about my blocks? I played on the wait, who, side. Wait, who
0: said this? Bagley. Bagley said this. Yeah. What about his reaction time? That's what I would say to him. What about your awareness? That's what he said, though. If you want to talk, he said, if you <laughs> want
1: he said, if you want to talk about the blocks, right, mm-hmm. things get funneled to the middle, mm-hmm. right? So Wendell Carter had yeah. a lot of blocks, and he said, When I was in the middle, I blocked a lot of shots. He said, like, What do you want me to block on the wing? Sounds
0: like excuses to me. It's not about All your right. it's, not, it's, not right. about, it's not about All your block right. shots. It's about your lean body. It's about your short okay. arms. It's okay. about your reaction time and your awareness. All right. Not not the like don't you slander I know, and, I know, uh, Marvin Bagley to my face. It's different on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Right <laughs> here. <laughs> 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 we might throw fists. We might throw fists. Kyle, get ready to break this <laughs> up. Let's go. If, if Let's this go man, right if now. this man don't go. stop talking about Marvin Bagley in my face. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> all right,
1: The other ones that have jumped off the page, We I think we spent a tremendous amount of time on the Orlando Magic. Oh, one more thing real quick. Bamba, Isaac, Gordon. Can they all three play together? Yeah.
0: I think so. Really? I, mean, I think so. How? I mean, give him time. Who's him, the three? Can, uh, Gordon. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, you can play. But isn't he best suited as a four? Everybody's so small ball obsessed. You can play with size if they're skilled. Gordon is a skilled player. And he's right. still super young. Look, yes, these guys do need to improve their jump shots. Isaac needs to improve his three. Gordon needs to improve his three. And Boba needs to prove he's more than just a theoretical shooter. But... Yeah, they can play together it's because right. of their size and length, the defensive end of the floor, and the fact that they can you can really mix and match them. You want to play Isaac at the five with Gordon at the four, play super small ball, boom. Want to put Bamba at the five and play rim running center, have Gordon at the four, boom, you can do it. There's so many different little things you could do that I think uh, Orlando's new co- head coach, Steve Clifford, can get really, really creative with the combinations as those guys develop into their primes.
1: Other ones that have been mega impressive,
0: Certainly, there's been a tremendous amount of buzz on Kevin Knox. Yeah, Kevin Knox, he's been great. He hasn't shot the ball well yet, which we'd like to see, but like he's doing all the other stuff. Like he had a play, two plays I want to mention, Chris. He had a play where he was he I think he cut baseline, I believe, and he just whipped the pass to a corner three shooter. It's like a little thing like that, more than just a scorer. And then on the defensive end of the floor. He's been grinding. He's been hustling, defending multiple positions. And that's something that uh, Mike Schmitz from Draft Express pointed out on Twitter uh, before the draft. He's like, you know, so much focus on Knox at Kentucky and how he didn't really defend well there. He's like, well, when I saw him at this level, you know, at this competition, he was doing this, doing this, doing this. Like, look at these highlights. And it's like, yeah. At the high school level, he was awesome defensively, and perhaps we're going to see that now at the NBA level. In addition to his scoring potential, which um, pretty clear lane for him to be a really good scorer. I was told before the draft that Calipari was calling all kinds of teams, saying
1: Kevin Knox is he's the one off my team. Yeah. Like he is, he is going to be the real deal. He was a big fan of his, and you know Cal always does the tongue in cheek, <laughs> you know. I didn't use him right, or you know what I mean. Like uh, the reason sure. he didn't well, do as much he, oh, is because, right. right? Like, well, because what you what you look what you look up and you see Carl Towns doing what he oh, did Cole, more. Cole more. Cole so, if you watch Carl shoot. Towns, right? If you watch him in Kentucky, and then watch him in the pros. If you watch Devin Booker Kentucky and then watch him yep. in the pros, a lot of Devin these Booker guys, never ran
0: pick and roll, right?
1: Yeah. Much better suited, and Knox feels that way. It feels when you are watching him like. Holy mackerel! With a with a wide open game and more space out here on the
0: floor, he is much better suited for oh, this, Oh, no doubt. I right? Mean, he's so athletic. Yeah, so athletic, and you know the shot hasn't really come yet. It's a small sample. Just right. don't, don't don't you know? It's like the opposite of like Jaron Jackson. It's like Jaron Jackson can shoot, but like don't overreact to the 8.3 game. He's right. not he's not like Kyle Korver. He's not right. Stephen Curry <laughs> shooting half court jumpers. But like the the truth is somewhere in the middle. Um. It's encouraging. So when we were going
1: into the draft, I kept telling you that we are going to look back and we know there are going to be busts. We know there are going to be guys that we go back in time and we go, my God, how was he selected there? Yes. Okay? Most of these guys that you have watched or I have watched so far, and you go down, and we've already mentioned Aiton, Bagley, Carter, even Knox. Uh, I know where you're going with this. (laughs) We haven't seen Luca, okay? No, no. But if we're narrowing it down, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> first it, it, impressions yeah. of, oh, my God, this could go really the wrong way, it has to be Trey. Oh, and I know trying. everybody's saying, don't overreact, summer league means nothing. I'm telling you this, Kevin. Over the years, I have seen little guys absolutely kill it in summer league. Nate Robinson's number is retired, all right? And whether it is Josh
0: Selby. Well, they should retire Nate Robinson's number across the NBA, to be fair. When a small guy that much can dunk over Yao Ming, let's let's be real here. But when you
1: see, like, Russ Smith out of Louisville, and you see Josh Selby, and you see, you see all kinds of little guys over <laughs> yeah. the years, it is so built for yeah. them. And, in fact, the game is much harder In the NBA for those guys, you see them demolish summer league and they, they get to the NBA and the same crap they could do in summer league. They can't do when the competition gets real. And so that is the type of guy that has been really successful. In fact, because it's kind of, you know, these games, sometimes they feel like almost like all-star games. It's bad for big guys. And so you don't want to read too much. Uh, in, never right? feed
0: him the ball. Yeah, all, these, right? all these guards are shot. It's not him. real it's all basketball. Shots. And yeah, you yeah. get
1: to Chuck, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I told you this. I was worried when I, I remember on Selection Sunday and their name popped up and I said, what the hell? I said, I swear to God, I watched them. <laughs> every time I watched them for the last like two months, they lost every time. And then they said whatever, and I'm going to get this wrong, but it was something so extreme. They were like, Oklahoma lost 13 of their last 15 guys. I was like, what?
0: The? Yeah, and I remember yeah.
1: when they said it on TV, I was like, Wait, they really did lose every time I watched them. Like
0: it wasn't yeah. just they were really bad at the end of the season.
1: And he was wasn't like, hitting shots. No, wasn't. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So it's not like it's like Trey Young the shooter, Trey Young the shooter. Like it was like October, November. December, yes, non-conference schedule, he, right? He, he
0: was amazing to start the season. Yes. Like, all, drew all the Stephen Curry comps, and then it just fell and apart. No, and, and it fell apart for people him. People didn't
1: recognize it, that he nor that team were, frankly, any good the know, last part of the season. Well, and, well, that's
0: part of it. It's like his teammates weren't very good at Oklahoma, and you know. Here's the thing, so, Cap. But,
1: this really yeah. comes down to whether or not you were a Trey Young believer or not. Because if you're a Trey Young believer, you're saying this doesn't matter. And if you were a Trey, well, it's and all, if you, it's and if all confirmation a, bias. If you were a Trey yeah. Young skeptic, you
0: go, eh. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's why I think you need to, you know, be cautious either way. Is like with Trey Young. Yeah, I agree with you 100 percent that I thought he was going to come into summer league and just like kill because this, this is, is built for this him. is built for players like him just to dominate and he has not done that. That's extremely concerning and I think one of the things that's been a little bit overlooked with him is like so Liam Flynn from Cle- Cleaning the Glass had an article in early June before the draft about Trey Young shooting at um Oklahoma and his takeaway was primarily like that. Trey's probably going to be a better shooter in the NBA than he was in college because of the fact of the, the high degree of difficulty of the shots that he was taking. Like, he can shoot off screens, potentially. He gets really good from, like, close to the line in NBA range. And the concerning part, to me, um, is the fact that he shot 27% from three outside of 30 feet. So, like, Steph Curry range. Mm-hmm. Like, like, deep threes. Like, that's what helps separate Steph, Klay Thompson, like, these elite, truly elite shooters is, like, their ability to knock down shots from super deep. Because you stretch the defense more, you're harder to defend, and Trey Young is not an all-time great shooter. So we see he's the not, highlights of he's him shooting not. from the
1: logo, but what we don't see is that he Take, missed seventy yes, percent of them.
0: Taking those shots is one thing, but making them is another. And he, he. Is not proven that he is an all-time great shooter. I think that's. Mm-hmm. I think it's unfair to expect that from him. I think he can become a great shooter. I think he'd be a very good shooter, and maybe even one of the better shooters in the league. But I don't think he's going to be the best shooter in the league. I don't think he's going to be an all-time great shooter, and that's going to be the difference make uh, difference between him and Steph Curry. In addition to the fact that he's two inches smaller than Steph Curry, not as athletic as Steph Curry, doesn't handle the ball as well as Steph Curry. If you're expecting Steph Curry from Trey Young, you're going to be disappointed. You need to be looking at more like maybe he can become Damian Lillard, and even that could be asking for a lot as well. Trey is going to be an NBA player with his shooting ability, and his passing ability is quite good as well, and that's been pretty impressive. But the defense, the shooting is not all-time great. Uh, we'll see how he pans you out. Also but, 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 yeah, you also have to be able to finish. Yeah, you got right? to be able to finish out of the room. And like, there's a lot of knocks, there's a lot of concerns with him. His rookie year is going to be a struggle, put it that way. But it doesn't mean he'll be a bust because of his shooting potential. Well,
1: and part of it is when we are talking about how much more space can help you. I think that's why the little guys, right? We watched the last year. Guy. And, is I, is. Think, and lot, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of guys like this. More space helped Jason Tatum. More space helped Donovan Mitchell. In fact, I was talking to Kevin Pelton yesterday, and I was talking to him about kind of just what analytics missed on some of these guys because (laughs) the numbers going into the draft will tell you maybe a little bit different story. And he brought up some interesting points. He said, number one, he said both Tatum and Mitchell, and this was shocking to me. If you go and look at their rookie year, their percentage in the restricted area was exceptionally higher than it was when they were in college. And so with Tatum, you could say, because he had more space with Mitchell, he brought up a very interesting one. And I'd never heard anybody talk about this before. He said in college, if you go back and watch, Mitchell was a two foot leaper and he learned how to jump off of one foot. Well, that's why stats are limited and you need need to scout. Right. And so he learned to jump off of one foot and it changed everything. And in fact, I was talking to somebody last night, a front office, uh, uh, an NBA front office guy last night, and I brought up the the Mitchell thing, right? About the jumping off of two feet and then how that almost, uh, you know, that transferred to ability to finish at the rim. And Pelton told me that there's a kid like that this year. And he said, if you watch, he said, it's Miles Bridges. And the yeah, interesting thing is going to be guy, yeah. if Bridges can learn like Mitchell did to jump off two feet. And I mentioned this to this uh, NBA front office guy. And you know what he said? He said, that's why I loved a Koji, mm-hmm. the kid from uh, yeah, Georgia yeah, Tech. Yeah, yeah, he's really right? good. I'm There's not, a I, yeah, 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 I, Tech. Uh, yeah, I love a Okay. Really good. He said the same thing, though. <clears throat> he's a two foot guy. And I remember saying that in our meeting. If we can get this kid to jump off of one foot, right, the amount of stuff he's going to be able to finish at the rim is going to change dramatically because you are restricted. If you just think about it, right, you are restricted if you're a two-foot leaper. And so I thought that was a little bit interesting with Mitchell. I thought that was interesting with – it'll be something to monitor with Bridges and also – the Akoji well, kid. Well,
0: with, with Mitchell, you know, I, I think with him, you know, not only was he just like a two foot leaper, he also took a lot of wild shots. Right. A lot, a lot of like, you know, and that's partially because he was more comfortable off two feet, but, you know, I think some of it was shot selection with mm-hmm. him as well. And I think with Mitchell, one of the things I liked about him is he was one of those guys who uses both hands. I always harp on like Ben Simmons only using his right hand around the rim, like, uh, and never using his right hand to shoot jumpers. And like, he's a dominant finisher because of his size and athleticism. But for little guys, they don't necessarily. Have that advantage. Let me to like, I, I not dominant. He's like very good finisher. Right. Ben Simmons, um, with Mitchell, it's like he always finished with both hands, left and right. Always had touch, and um, and he just cut down the wild shots. Improved as a one foot um, finisher at the rim, and he's like added creative finishes as well. So for some of those guys you mentioned, like that can that can be what leads to greater success. At finishing in of the room that's what can help them when it comes to finishing against contact finishing off balance and uh, i'll be very curious to see how that changes for miles bridges I, I i think it's been ca- a little bit encouraging for him early on too
1: oh for sure yeah. yesterday i watched him have 20.7 yeah. rebounds no turnovers mm-hmm. he looks athletically superior to his opponents Right, yeah. you wonder you you know he's a freak of yeah. nature Until athletically he, yeah. in college, and I
0: still don't love him. I like him. I, I still no, don't love he, him, but he's really good. He'll be a good player
1: when you watch him out on that court. Though he out jumps people, right, yeah. and he outruns people, yeah. and so does that. You wonder when you when you start to weed it down, right, and you're not watching him play against Northwestern. No, no slander to Northwestern. Yeah. But I'm just saying there ain't Northwestern guys <laughs> that are out there in this game. All right. And you watch him, like you're know, like, wow, he looks like an amazing athlete. Like he still looks like an amazing athlete when of it's course. been weeded down yeah. to NBA prospects.
0: It, it is, you have me thinking about the stats part. And, you know, yeah. it's interesting. Like so much of it is like contextual too, because like is a player playing in a system with two big men where the lane is clogged, right? You know, like so many little things. You know,
1: that exact thing was brought yeah. up to me yesterday.
0: So one one quick example. Yeah. Uh, so Terry Rozier years back yep. in 2014 draft he was somebody i wasn't very high on um and then like in early, early june when i like try to like erase my ma- mind and look at things again like i re- re-looked at terry rosario i was like okay i'm way too low on this guy bumped him up to like you know 30-ish or something like that maybe i think it was 20-ish actually high 20s and um so i still didn't love him but i liked him a lot more and he was somebody where it was like oh he played with two big men constantly clogging the lane. My hesitation with him was his touch still isn't that good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he still doesn't have great touch and he still has the struggles finishing in the NBA now, but he's better because he's playing with a space floor. Still not great, but better. And, and I think there's so many little things like that where you yeah. need to look at the context uh, behind the number or, or rather just look at the context and then like see what the number is. You know is who and, the greatest know, example situations. of that is? And I brought this up to him.
1: Because when that whole draft raider came out, Pelton broke it into two different columns, one of which was analytics and what the scouts say, right? Maybe the absolute worst player that you will find that was drafted highly numbers-wise was Jalen Brown. Oh, I'm trusting I remember. Trust he me. He was if you looked if you based it upon the analytics from college, he was undraftable. Trust me, I remember. And he said,
0: <laughs> I remember. I remember being on Boston Sports Talk Radio like getting in arguments about Jalen Brown before the draft. And here's yeah. what here's here's what he said. And exact draft, same for that thing. Matter.
1: <laughs> they played with two bigs. Yeah. And he said, and here's Ivan Rab and that other dude who yep. escapes me at the moment. And he said, here's what we missed on him.
0: What a bunch of that team was a joke. There's a lot of NBA talent on that team. Ivan Rab drafted yep. Jabari, Jabari Bird on the well, Celtics. A pretty good two-way. And player. they played very slow. Yeah. Oh, they were they were a disgrace to watch. <laughs> I, hate, so, I, I, I hate I hate hated like they had so much talent on that team. Shout out to Kanto Mark. Oh my god. god. I, what a pain watching that team.
1: <laughs> so, anyways, you know what Belton said? If you isolated. Jalen Brown's power forward minutes. I think that's what the Celtics did. If you isolated his power forward minutes while he was at California, you will see a radically different player than when he played small forward and was out on the floor with the two big guys. And that's what it misses, right? It's almost like sometimes you got to do stuff like that, right? You go back and you look and isolate when he wasn't out there with the two big guys. And and that would have told you he's really good. (laughs) <laughs> right? I, mean, I
0: mean, I mean, like even like with the NBA draft guide, like sometimes I'm like, why do we even put the numbers there? I know, right? Like the basic box score stats yep. line, it's just that, that's why we have like the, the per forty um, below and like the effective field goal percentage instead of like points and all that because it's like at least it's a little bit more um, valuable like to, to project a guy ahead. But even then, it's like. I don't know. I mean, right. I, I, I honestly am somebody where I don't really care much for college stats. I just don't. Uh, I've never have been. Um, there's little things you gotta look for sometimes. Um, but oftentimes it's like you mentioned in your conversation with Pelton. It's more contextual. Um, try to look for instances. Where like the guy's playing the four or playing the five or what's what's going to better re- reflect what the circumstances environment will be in the NBA for that particular player and that's incredibly difficult to do because there's only thirty ish games for each college player so then like if you if you're like you know if you're putting all these like settings in right so like say I want this I want this it's like oh you might have like eighty minutes uh, of of a sample right. it's like it's so ultimately it doesn't mean a lot that, that's why I mean I'm somebody who with college primarily i think you need to scout more than anything else with nba there's so much more data that's available you have you have synergy uh well you have synergy for yeah. college too but you might have a, a wider sample larger sample you have second spectrum for nba teams you have so much at your disposal you have the athletic testing all that stuff that right. teams have where there's just so much more that you can use to do pro personnel scouting to figure out guys whereas college it's like Just going to watch, I think, really.
1: One of the other interesting things that has taken place throughout here uh, through Summer League is everybody goes and watches this rookie class who we were all excited about. One of the narratives has not been, which I think certainly is worth bringing up, typically when you come to this, you're watching first- and second-year guys. But last year's class was so damn good, oh, it was awesome. we see none of them. We don't see we're, – obviously, we're not seeing Tatum. We're not seeing Mitchell. We're not seeing – we're not seeing – you go up and down that list. We're not even it's seeing Corey Markkinen. Yeah. We're not even seeing guys like Dylan Brooks, who yeah. was selected in the second round, right? I mean, like, guys played a lot it, of
0: minutes last year. It's almost surprising when we do see guys. Right? Yeah.
1: That's why Isaac stands out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. Isaac reminds me of Brandon Ingram last year.
0: Jenny uh, Osmond, second yep. or third-year player, I forget, but – um. Yeah, second year player, because I remember last summer right. Tyloo or Tyler was asked have you watched Jetty Osmond. He's like, Nope. <laughs> so yeah, last year was Jetty's first year in the NBA. Like even someone like him, he had a big game the other night. So did Corkmaz. Yeah.
1: Yeah. At the very beginning 40, of this thing, points, right? Yeah, he lit it up. Uh, I mean, but you see the difference. I remember Brandon yeah. Ingram played at the very beginning and then got that injury scare yeah, and they never that, and you never saw sucks. him again. Yeah. The one guy we might could have seen was the number one pick overall. And that is Markel Fultz, and I know you are keenly aware and interested in a recent story about him.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, there was a story posted on SI and ESPN. I guess there was, like, a room full of, like, five – I don't know how many reports, but with Brett Brown and um, uh, the team owner, Josh Harris, just talking about, like, oh, Markel Fultz, we – you know, at the end of every season, we we talked to the player and, you know, we proved him working with Drew Hanlon and all that. He's coming along so great, you know, blah, 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 this and that. And it's like, what? What's the point of like you telling this to the media? Like, why? Why bring a why bring a handful of reporters in to tell them this? It's just, it's a weird little thing to do. And I, um, conspiracy theory. I have no reason to to say this other than my own conspiracy okay. is like maybe you're just trying to increase his trade value by putting this out there. Just can I, sell, can like, I Hey, false is coming. Can along I sell low.
1: you out completely?
0: Sure. All right,
1: ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that me and Kevin were sitting together at a game. And I know the exact moment that Kevin bailed completely on Markel Fultz.
0: Oh. Oh. Hey, I. Let me say this before you say it. <laughs> I, I would never I would never bail completely no. a, on a 19 year old yes. number one pick. You were done. You were done. Kevin? I'm not Kevin, done. I'm not you done. were done. I'm not
1: done. Markel Fultz was woofing down <laughs> cheese fries <laughs> on the front row at the game. I mean, woofing them. At a at a pace of a man who had not eaten in weeks. Like he had been walking through the desert, devoid of food and water. And and Kevin said, look at Fultz eating those cheese fries. I'm done. I'm
0: done. (laughs) He, he was okay. Let, 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 me, let, let me let me let me just let me just let me he, just, hey, let, me, let, hey, me just hey, let me just correct hey, the record here. He was he wasn't wolfing them down. He, he was eating one at a time, but he <laughs> was doing time. them at it was doing it sure. at a rapid pace. Yeah, sure. um <laughs> With, with Markell, right. like he can eat how no, he, no. Want, he can eat how he wants. No, uh, he can't. Not in your I, opinion. I, this, <laughs> was, this was this was Kevin. <laughs> this is
1: <was> Kevin, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin O'Connor, the uh, scout. And he said, look at him eating those fries. I'm done, I want to make a joke. I want to make he a said, joke, but I can't, I can't say it. I said, you're <laughs> out on Markel Fultz because of the cheese fries? <laughs> I'm out. That, you know what? That was the moment. I'm going to tell you, Kevin, that I was very excited about you. And like, if people say, oh, he's just a guy that relies on the stats too much. That was a very old school scout take. Well, I'll tell you what—that is the old guy in the crowd, the old school scout that says, "Look at the no, way he eats." I got a better fries. one for you. This is a massive I red a, flag. I got a better
0: one for you. I got a better one. Last year at summer league. <laughs> Last year at Summer League, Uh-oh. I was sitting near the – I think it was, was the Sixers, Lakers, whoever it was. Near, near, I think I put this in the Ringer slack at the time. I had to tweet about it because it would have seemed like obsessively weird, yes. but I'll say it now. <laughs> uh, uh, so on the Jumbotron at Summer League last year. <laughs> Um, there was a kiss cam and it was a pretty good kiss cam. It was funny, right? Yeah. And like, so I, I was looking up at the kiss cam and I looked at the Sixers bench. Mm-hmm. A lot of players were looking up at the kiss cam, which I probably shouldn't have been. Right. Um, and a lot of people around me in the crowd were giggling and laughing. And I was looking at Markel Fultz on the bench looking up at the kiss cam. He had a blank face on the entire time and everybody around me was like bursting out and laughing. I wasn't looking at the kiss cam, so it might not have been funny. But Markel, with everybody laughing around me, Markel had a straight face on. It was just an interesting little moment where it's like everybody's laughing except for Markel. So
1: he is a humorless guy who who eats
0: cheese fries in a diabolical way. (laughs) No, Markel, Markel, I feel like we are... (laughs) Can't shoot. Uh, <laughs> <This> is, <laughs> there's just freaking red flags yeah. Flying off the guy uh, Well with Markel uh, I, I just have to say this With Markel Fultz He was number one number one On everybody's board For good reason He's a big guard With a strong body Who can defend Who can rebound Who has athleticism Who can create off the dribble Who has a good handle Admit you're out pass, on us.
1: Don't, don't talk to Admit no, you're out on him I am talking about right. You now, don't, I'm you s- don't I'm want setting, I'm, setting up, I'm you. setting up my
0: point Markell showed everything this season after returning from his battle with the Yips at the end of the season. He showed literally everything that made him the number one pick except for the jump shot. So, like, the maturity, the eating, you know, all that shit, right? You can, you know, it, I'm not too worried about it because over time he's going to get older and he's going to mature. What I am still worried about is the jump shot. And the Sixers said yesterday, right, uh, the group of reporters that he looks better. If he looks better, that's extremely encouraging. Drew Hanlon's one of the best trainers, if not the best trainer, out there. Uh, Working with Drew is a smart move for Markel Fultz. But until he proves that he can shoot in a game situation when he's tired, when pressure's on, it's a little bit scary for him moving forward because that is such an integral part of what made him a top prospect. So if you're the Spurs or, or Sixers yourself or any other team that might be trying to trade for him, I'd have hesitations until you see him out there on the court. And, you know, on the flip side of that, you can say the same thing about Kawhi until he comes back after playing only nine games last season until he proves he's still that two way elite, you know, Hall of Fame level talent you know, player. I'd be scared to dump everything out there for him. So if you're the Sixers and you do truly believe that Mark Hell's making immense progress as a shooter, maybe you're like, no way we're trading this guy for Kawhi Leonard. There's no way we're doing it because of how he's looking this summer. Right? Because they also would want to see Kawhi. It goes both ways. And like that's why with this Kawhi Leonard stuff, I am just fascinated by like the negotiation battle that's gonna go on with these teams trying to get him. Cause until you see him, I don't know how to value him. Until you see Markel, I don't know how to value him either. It's it's really nuts. You
1: know, I mentioned this last week that I thought number one, they've got the assets, and number two, those two guys that the friendship between the Spurs organization and Brett Brown is something that can make it happen. And then to go a little bit further. trust, I'm sure. The other thing is you did wonder, once the Paul George thing (laughs) took place and he re-upped with Oklahoma City, you (laughs) wondered if that was a chance. People can keep on saying, hey, he's going to L.A., he's going to L.A., he's going to L.A. We did all of that last year with Paul George and Oklahoma City. It's a rental. He's going to L.A., he's going to L.A. And you see the way when push comes to shove, the way that one Mm -hmm. played out that maybe it does, right? Even having him for a year with the ability to win and recruit with said player, yeah. that might actually be able to work out. Also, a guy that he trusts theoretically. I, I assume his relationship with Brett Brown is, well, well, is who, who, a reasonable. Why?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, that's you, so you can look at it that way, or you could say, "Oh, he, Brett Brown's tight with Frank Hoffaovich. I don't want anything to do with with Brett that's, Brown." I mean, like that's that's like an like elementary school style like way of looking at things, but like. Not much changes from from our right. school days to, to when we're older. Sometimes, sometimes we retain that mindset over right. the years. And you know, I think really the other other underlying factor, Chris, is that Dr. Glasshow, the doctor that Kawhi saw when he was rehabbing in New York, he did it under the care of the Sixers' med- chief medical officer um so if, if, Kevin, if, the, if the Sixers can know more than anybody else uh, maybe maybe even more than the Spurs uh what Kawhi health will look like moving forward but
1: Kevin O conspiracy thinks that they talked about Markel Fultz being able to hit no, shots I, yesterday I, I just because I
0: just don't understand why like what's the point what's people, the
1: point people want an update and they want to be able to combat your cheese fry story <laughs>
0: <laughs> but what's the point Okay, look. If you if you <laughs> I Chris, mean, when they got, got that kind of information out there, you're hired. Not as,
1: laughing at a kiss cam. You're, you're hired, eating cheese fries in a diabolical way. They need some
0: good press. <laughs> well, Chris, here's the thing. If you're hired as Memphis Grizzlies drone manager tomorrow, right? And, Might be you know, a couple. Yeah, who knows? A good couple years from now, one of your players. You know, let's just say Jaron Jackson hasn't. You know, he's going some, through right. some funky injury type of thing, and he's going to rehab his jump shot. And he's doing over the summer. Would you want to draw attention to that when he has already proven, like, oh wow, you know, I, 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 do you want him doing it behind closed doors, or do you want to put more public pressure on setting an expectation that, hey, he's looking awesome, he's looking right. great? I don't think you want to set that expectation for that's fans. Fair. I think that that's um un- almost unfair to the player in a way. That's fair. Uh, that's why I think maybe it's a a negotiating ploy just to put that out there into the world that he is looking tremendous and i could be dead ass wrong i i everybody seems to be indicating that he's improved um he's revising his mechanics drew Hanlon's a great coach i just don't see the incentive to do it that's all
1: last thing kevin what has been your favorite part of las vegas
0: um you know hanging out with everybody from the ringer really uh and seeing like all the fans like of, of the ringer like saying hello and like showing their support just like both sides of that have just been like so fulfilling. Like even like little things, like walking walking around the arena, and someone like you know shouting out Ringer, right. or like shouting out my name, or like just saying hello, saying like we love what you do. People saying to Jason Concepcion, they love you know NBA Desktop. Right. Um, like we had a booth there on Friday and Saturday. Uh, Liz Kelly was there, and Alex Lee, and Juliet Littman, and Stephanie Snowden like a lot of people. Um, Haley O'Shaughnessy was there on Saturday. Saturday, um, a lot of people came through. And like it was just cool to see a lot of fans, and then like at night, you know, hanging out with people from the Ringer. Like we went to karaoke, right? <laughs> on uh, on Saturday night, Sunday night, whatever night it was, um, me and five other Ringer people, and then Titus and Tate came by later in the night with Tommy Alter. It was cool. It's a good time. It was, it was like a little dive bar off the-, the off the strip, but uh, like everybody, like put it this way: there's a lot of really good singers at this karaoke part like yeah it was like not like it was not like low level karaoke there was like this one guy who sang um uh, escape, escapes me there was this not one guy like there's karaoke. this one guy who needs to get signed and i wish i got we're his name you, Cal- was te- te- really good o-
1: kevin o talent scout yeah i mean he's you're really there good. Good, you were per- gonna- good performances too Boy, if you were with uh columbia house records or whoever you could have walked oh, right up there and given him uh, a deal yeah catch.
0: i know yeah, this is, yeah. It's, it's, well it's like with this basketball. is not normal it's, it's, karaoke. Like, it's like with basketball there's more to being a successful basketball That's player right. than than skill it's it's like you also need to figure out what kind of people these these musicians and singers are as well you need to interview before you sign them to a deal it was, it I'm, was I, if the yeah. records wants to give me a call I'm there you go to it. yeah it, I, I love music
1: it was awesome <laughs> to get to uh that first night with uh with bill doing his podcast at oh, caesar's great. palace um it was my opportunity. I got to meet everybody. Yeah, no right? kidding, man. I've never, yeah. I've, I've never met. Um, you know, I've, had, uh, I've communicated with these people for so long over the years, uh, whether it is uh, Concepcion or Joe House or, I, I mean, everybody was there. Everybody was there. And there was a picture that was out there, and then there was a picture of us. And it was very interesting to me. Okay, let me just, let me just do a couple things real quick. Number one, I am old. I just look young. Right, so everybody is like, "I thought he was old." That's a good thing. I I don't understand. I thought he was old. I'm not 50, right? But somebody, uh, it was funny. Um, some what was somebody tweeted after the picture? They were like, "I thought he was 40." I I, I hope I have like no wrinkles when I'm your age. what they said. They said they said, (laughs) they said I. They said I thought he was 40, and I was like. Should I respond and say I'm really close? <laughs> like, I'm really close. Wait, are you not, are you
0: not allowed to say your age right now? I don't care. I'm 39. Cool. Yeah. When did I, you mean, I said, I'm really When's your birthday?
1: I don't want to talk about that. Why? Because oh. that is the moment, right? Why? Who cares? Because I'm going to go through a horrible- But you have a youthful spirit. I, yeah, but I'm going to go through you a hard You have a youthful moment,
0: spirit. And, you You look younger than your age, which is all good things.
1: No, th- I, listen, I don't mind looking younger than uh, my age, but it was fascinating that- Nobody thinks I look how I sound, yeah. right? Nobody yeah. like. And the funniest ones were either <laughs> I was a hundred percent sure that Chris Vernon was a black guy, yeah, the, or uh, I was a hundred percent sure yeah. that Chris Vernon was really old. Yes, yes,
0: I, I saw those tweets. It was like, I, and I, then I so, was some, an old black like, guy. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yet you're thirty year old white guy, right? <laughs> So, anyways, hey, a little no. little you're not six foot eight getting yeah, yeah, no, no and i'm not six yeah. foot eight yeah
1: uh getting to meet everybody from yeah, the ringer dude, and then awesome. be around everybody all week uh yeah shout out to uh mark titus who somehow got this amazing sweet why are they taking care of titus so much at caesar's
0: well you know Titus asked for it; he got what I he wanted. Guess. And, uh, <laughs> I guess so. Mark oh, no, Titus. Yeah, also shout out to Caesar's Palace as well, right? Because yep. you know they 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 um, we recorded the a lot whole of week. stuff in Caesar's the whole week, and they were great, very accommodating. It's very very. I've never been in Caesar's. I don't think. I remember last year walking around. I was in Vegas for the first time. Oh, it's great? Around. I don't think I've walked around Caesar's. It's very nice in here. I yeah. like it. Oh, it's, it's absolutely chill. great. It's chill and yet it's fun. Kevin, nice restaurants. And too.
1: getting to do a podcast in person with you is. An yeah. absolute treasure. Yeah. We made it all the way through without getting at each other. I, I think we're friendlier in person. Yeah.
0: Right? I think so, too. I think we're friendlier yeah. in person.
1: Bow to Colin Sexton. Yes. Colin Sexton. No, was... bow to him.
0: Yeah, he looks good. <laughs> he looks pretty good. I wanted to try to he get you good. mad before we left. Yeah, he looks good. He looks <laughs> he good. He doesn't need cheese fries. I asked oh. him. Really, you did okay. No, I okay. didn't. Oh, I mean, I mean should
1: It's going to do it for another Ringer NBA show. Thanks to everybody for listening. This one from Las Vegas. Thanks to Caesars Palace. And we will talk to you next week.